And today is Valentine's Day. What a wonderful time for us to look at a text that is rooted in love, that reminds us of God's unbelievable love for each and every one of us. So here we have a scripture that talks about Peter, James, and John, the three of Jesus' most devoted disciples, how they go up to this mountain top with Jesus. And there they have this unbelievable experience as they watch Jesus get bathed in this brilliant, dazzling light. But then all of a sudden this cloud comes and, and kind of overshadows them. And as Jesus is speaking to Elijah and Moses, you hear this voice of God that says, this is my beloved, my son. Listen to him. Can you imagine what those disciples felt like? Just for a second, think about how their hearts must have been pounding out of their chest. They had no idea. Their minds must have been reeling. I just have to imagine the intensity of that experience, the magnitude of this divine brilliance, this breathtaking light, the mystery of it. The pure joy. It's on that mountain that they experienced a vision of God, of divine presence and power that they would never, ever forget. But I think it's important that we differentiate with the difference between transfigure and transformation because we often use them interchangeably. But transfiguring is actually some, a change in your outward at your outward appearance. So Jesus' transfiguration did not alter who he is. It did not alter who he was. Instead, it, it altered the understanding of the person who witnessed it to see Jesus in a different light completely. So this Jesus wasn't transformed internally. Jesus was changed externally he didn't have a new internal self. Instead, what we saw was that Jesus' external body changed with such brilliance that he was standing in the company of Israel's most, the greatest prophets, Elijah and Moses. And in that experience, the disciples were changed. In that experience, it would transfigure their hearts and their ministry to come. They came down from that mountaintop. They were ready. They were ready to do ministry. They were ready to be on mission because they were more convinced than ever that what they were doing was infused with the love and the power of God because it was clear that God was beside them and God was among them. We all need these kind of moments. We all need to have a God encounter, a divine soul transfiguring event that will impact us, mold us, and change us. That will give us a zeal and a passion for ministry. So what's yours? What makes you love God's people? What mountaintop experience have you had that you now call yourself a Christian going into this world, being on mission for Christ? Have you ever thought about it? See, like Peter, James, and John, Jesus doesn't want us to just stay on top of that mountain. Jesus wants us to go into his people, to go and be out in the world ministering to people with real problems in real places. That's what we are being called to do. So when we look at this past year, we have to come to realize that our church is transfiguring. What I mean is our church looks different than it did a mere 12 months ago. No longer can we have this attraction model 
If we build it, they will come. No longer do we have people elbowing each other, laying coats down to save their seat in the pews. We are not bursting at the seams with people in the building. And will that ever happen again? If we're being transfigured, maybe not. Because God is up to something. And internally, we are still all about the gospel. We are still doing what we've always been called to do, is sharing that love of God. But externally, we're starting to look a little different. Church looks different. Yet so many of us are filled with fear about change. We can't even see the possibilities that might be lying right in front of us. Because what fear does, it makes us fiction writers. It has us create these narratives of the worst case scenario. But so often we're so stuck in our heads with the fear of what if that we miss out on what is. And all these things we've worried about never even come to fruition. Fear robs us. So even though things might look different or might look unfamiliar, God is still at work. God's work is still being done. I'll say that our church has been church in a whole new way in the last 12 months. I can tell you that it looks so much more different than any church I've ever been a part of because truth be told, church is now virtual. Right? We still have people who kick and scream because they don't want to have a screen in the church building, but yet now church is a screen. The norm has become just watching us on a laptop or on a TV in your, in your pajamas. Or maybe while you're grocery shopping, you have church propped up on the cart. Or maybe it's while you're drinking a beer on a Saturday night. Because church can be anywhere now. It looks different but Jesus is still present. And as we look at um, other ways the church is being in the world, we can look at today. We have a new ministry being launched called Fed Up. It's a social justice food truck ministry led by Pastor Anna. For the, the previous, uh, actually beginning right now at 1130 to 1230, she's at Emmanuel Church in Ypsilanti. From one to two, she's at Samaritas Sequoia Place here in Ann Arbor. And the point of this ministry is to feed the hungry. Yes, they feed food, but they also feed the word of God. Christ is there. Christ will be shared in new and unexpected ways. This is church. And Jesus is present. For the past two weeks, we've opened our doors to the community who is suffering from housing insecurity. This unique situation is the homeless community caring for the homeless community. And it's, it's led by a woman named Sherry Wander, who is hands down an angel sent to us. She loves fiercely in a way that I just only admire because she sees past the exterior and she sees the way Jesus sees people. And this community, it has a lot of challenges. Yes, it keeps people warm and it keeps people out of the frigid temperatures, but it comes with the risk. So if you come over here, you might go down in Piper Hall and you're going to see a lot of people. 
And because these folks are used to being with one another for the last four months, they might sit closer than normal, just like you might sit with your family closer than normal. And not everybody wants to pull that mask up because a lot of people have emphysema or COPD. And to pull that mask up means they will not be able to breathe like you and I might be able to breathe. So we do our best to reinforce it. But there are other challenges that don't meet the eye. People are really angry. There are some people who have anger issues because some of the circumstances of their life would make me really angry too. Some of the people that are down there have addiction challenges and they don't always come in sober and they smoke a lot. So the challenge we have with that is it makes this clean, pristine building called Zion Lutheran Church look a little sloppy despite Chris's best efforts. It makes it smell a little because smoke travels. It's a lot louder than it typically is because these people aren't necessarily calm or quiet at all times. But what is happening is that this beautiful ministry is taking place. And I totally get it's not for every person to do because God gives us lots of gifts to share. But for the people that are doing this ministry, don't thwart its efforts by complaining about a broken banister or a railing when inside this warming center, lives are being changed. Pastor Anna and I spent a lot of time down in Piper Hall. We spent a lot of time recognizing that these people, if they weren't here, would either be out in this cold, in these awful temperatures, freezing to death, or they'd be alone in a situation where their addiction would probably get the best of them, and they would either drink themselves to death or OD. They need community. So we have a risk. We can risk getting our building a little dirty, or we can risk being God, the face of Christ to these individuals. Because what this population now knows, their safe haven is right here in God's house. So over the last two weeks, I interact with everybody, and often people want to ask me about certain Bible verses. I've gotten to lay my hands on many heads and anoint people and to bless people. We've had people ask for spiritual care because they now feel like this is a safe enough place they can be honest with me. We've changed lives, I can tell you that, because one particular individual, I believe, came to Ann Arbor solely to meet the people in this building. And now on this Wednesday, we're actually having a wedding for the homeless community. There's a couple that have asked me to marry them. And the community that cares for them is going to have a mini reception down in Piper Hall to celebrate their love. There is so much happening in this building right now where we're getting to be the face of Jesus. We need to put aside our fear of all the other garbage that wants to, to keep us from loving on people and recognize that Jesus is present. Another ministry that's taken off during this pandemic time is a spiritual care ministry I'm involved with, with my friend Danielle Groth. And we call it Wonder Twinning. And it's a unique way to care for people by blending love and prayer with mindfulness practices. And we lift up this space that's sacred, and we allow people to come in to experience healing through pain or illness or trauma. 
And it's this really amazing way of letting divine light pour from us right into this person so they can experience the healing by feeling the love of God in a way they may never have felt it before. Is this church different from what we're used to? Absolutely. But this is what's happening. This beautiful experience that these people are having is an encounter with God. It's a mountaintop experience that changes them. It gives them this relationship with our creator that sends them out into the world then because then they're ready to share that same beacon of light. We've had over 50 people experience Wonder Twinning sessions in the past 10 months. And I will tell you that God is with us in everyone. God worked through us in everyone because Jesus is present. It's also Black History Month. We know that over the, past, the course of this past year, we've been reminded of how our black and brown and yellow brothers and sisters of Christ are not treated the same as those of us that were born into white skin by no choosing of our own. We've been called as a church to reconcile our contributions that we've made to the problem of racism. We've been asked to do the work, to look within, to see how we are contributing by our biases, whether they're unconscious or conscious. But have you done the work? Have you asked yourself how you're contributing to the divide of the human race? That's us being church. When we do this work, when we have this great wake-up call that for far too long we've just buried and we haven't paid any attention to, we are being called to love bigger. We are being called to recognize the value in all of God's children, to see the worth in every bit of creation. And when we're passionate about God's mission in the world, we'll do that work. We'll do it because we know love wins. We'll do it because we know Jesus is present. See, Christian love is transfiguring love. The love of Jesus, the sacrificial grace of Christ actually changes us in ways that are powerful and deeply rooted. And when we do this, we become spiritually strong. We become loving and healing vehicles of God's grace. So we've all, we call ourselves disciples. We're here worshiping together because we believe we're Christians. We believe we're disciples of the Lord. And because of that, we've all been transfigured to allow that love of Christ to freely flow through us. And if we're meant to receive that love so fully, then we are meant to be healers, to share the love of God with other people, to be holy physicians of God's promises. It means we comfort the ill, we feed the hungry, we befriend the lonely. It means we invite those different from ourselves in. And it means we love the unlovable. And when we do that, we are transfigured by Jesus' love. And then the people we're loving on, they are transfigured as well. So I'm going to read to you a little passage about transfiguration by a person named Louis Bowman. Now, I don't think I could write this eloquently, so I'm going to read it to you because I think it really speaks to what we're talking of today. Transfiguration, Jesus's and ours, is a radical awakening to spiritual realities. 
This abstract version of transfiguration is quite appropriate since mystics report their awakening experiences in many visionary forms. Brilliant light and color are often a part of a peak spiritual experience. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And his brilliant inner divine luminosity shined in this transfiguration. However, Jesus' most astonishing statement was this. You are the light of the world. He said this to a crowd of people in which absolutely no one was a Christian, including Jesus. Jesus' religion was Judaism because Christianity had not yet evolved into an identifiable form. The crowd included Jews who believed in God and non-Jews who may not have believed in God at all. But Jesus did not differentiate. He said they were all light of the world. Notice also that Jesus did not say we become the light. He stated we already are the light of the world. However, he further said that we should not hide that light underneath bushel baskets of ego and ignorance of our own divine nature. We may have moments and peak experiences of that light and inner divine love, joy, and peace. But more often, we slowly evolve in stages of higher and deeper spiritual awareness. The more we grow and evolve spiritually, the more that inner divine light within every person begins to shine out into the world in healing love. Get ready, church. God is up to something. Things are going to continue to look different. Things are changing. We are being transfigured. So we can sit in fear of what's to come. Or we can celebrate what is. We can rejoice in knowing that no matter what, Jesus is present. God's love is for us. God's love is through us, which means God's love can flow from us. So today, may the light of Jesus enlighten your life and your spirit so that you too may become a beacon of light in the world. So go, be brave, be bold. And most of all, be love. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we're so grateful for your reminder of what it means to be filled with your love so that we can go into the world and we can share that love as your light and your beacon of hope. I ask for your Holy Spirit to speak to whomever needs to hear it most today. And as we worry ourselves with mundane things like whether our building is clean enough let us be mindful of the humans that are in our building receiving your love whose lives are being transformed transfigured and changed inside and out because of the love they receive while they're here so give us your patience it is hard work to love the unlovable it takes it takes a lot of your strength flowing through us. But I know in my weakness, Lord, and in our weakness, your strength is made known. So Jesus, come to us. Come, Holy Spirit. Bless each of us to do whatever it is we're being called to do. Whatever form of ministry you're asking us to, to serve you in that capacity, Lord, ignite that fire in their hearts and in their belly. So each one of your disciples listening today knows they have a way to share your light and love in the world. So bless us, Lord. Let all of our actions, 
Let all the love pouring from us give you all the glory today and always. In your holy name we pray. Amen.